who made this possible. I want to honor those who have gone before us. And more importantly, I want to honor our God who can do all things. Our God who makes dreams possible. Our God who answers prayer. He deserves all of the glory. He deserves all of the honor. He has done great things. So let's fast forward 90 years to today. And this building is the product of the hard work of many different groups of people. In fact, I particularly want to mention five groups of people. Um, The first being Merton Council. Yeah, come on. They had a vision to build a much-needed secondary school here in Wimbledon. As we're all aware, space in this area is very limited. And the site they chose for the school was the High Path Estate. And this included the site of our old building. So in order for us to move from High Path, they needed to relocate us. After looking at a limited number of possibilities and lots of negotiations... It was agreed that Merton Hall would be restored to this wonderful facility that it is today. And our thanks go to Merton Council. Our thanks go to the head of Merton Council, Stephen Alambrantis, James McKinley, who's the Assistant Director for Sustainable Communities, and Tom Proctor, who's the Head of Contracts, and school organization, all of which, amongst others, made this possible for us to be here. Can you give them some thanks? Thank you. Thank you. I I also, in particular, want to mention one person uh, from the council. He was here, but unfortunately, he's had to go. Uh, But he was instrumental in making this happen. And he was the project manager for the council, and that was Russell Blaber. Um, He was a vital cog in everything that took place. Um, We had many challenging conversations over the last three years, but I'm thankful that our friendship made it out the other side, which is a testimony to the working together and the partnership that we were able to achieve. So drawings... So from there, the council appointed DHP um, as architects who took the vision and they made it come to life. And in particular, I want to thank the lead architect who is here today and the managing partner um, of DHP, but Chaminda Abiyawandana is close enough. I I think we would all agree that the attention to detail of this building has been above and beyond everything we could have desired. The the way the building was brought in keeping with the existing building. We've had so many people come and say about the stonework and the structure down the side. It's been a testimony to Chaminda and the team at DHP. Will you show your appreciation for them?
And so the drawings were put forward to the planning committee at Merton Council, and they were agreed eventually. We'll just leave it there. And the project went out to tender, and the council appointed Lengards to build the church. Under the project management of John Medley. Yeah. The quality of the build, the quality of the service they provided has been exceptional. Even now that continues through Andy Bush who is here with us today. But this has been a project with many problems outside of our control, outside of the council's control, outside of the builder's control. And we've had many challenges along the way. And as I'm sure you're aware, a building project is hard when there is one client But when there's two clients, it becomes a whole different experience. But I've discovered that John is a man that I have a great deal of respect for. He's a man of integrity, and he's a man that seeks to give his everything into everything he does. And I believe that he was God's chosen man to build this church for us. I'm also thankful for the final month we had together in the building as there was a crossover period where a friendship was formed. And so we are grateful to Lengards and to all of the team that made this possible. Now, obviously, it wasn't just the work of John that built this church. It might have taken a little bit longer. But there were many contractors involved that made that happen. Uh, But one particular contractor in particular that I want to highlight who's here with us today, and that's Phil Adlam from RockTech. Phil. (laughs) Phil designed this atrium for us. He designed all of the audio and visual, and and I believe that he delivered in line with everything we want. We believe it's a great experience that you can have here. In the words of John Medley, I thought I was building a church, but I've actually built a rock concert. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So thank you, Phil. And our final thanks go to the Elam movement, in particular Elam Central Services, who serve us so well here at Elam Wimbledon. Our leader is here with us today, Chris Cartwright. However, I also want to mention one lady in particular who without her, this project would have not been possible. And I know our friends from the council will also know her well. Unfortunately, she was not able to be here with us today due to illness, Um, but she served us faithfully in ensuring all of the legal aspects, uh, everything contractually, and that is Elam's administrator, Sarah Bale. And so will you give her a round of applause? And can you thank Chris and everyone at Elam who've supported us during these last three years? We thank you for it. We believe it's blessed to be a part of the movement that is serving Christ throughout the country and the nations of the world and standing for the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so I now want to invite all of those people I've mentioned to come and join me on the stage. I just want you just to come forward, come around this way. Just come and join me. And um, as they come, will you show their appre your appreciation for them? Yeah, please come. Come. Yeah, come on. We are grateful for when many people come together, great things can happen, can't they? And this building and everything it stands for is because of these men and women that served so faithfully over these last few years. And so on behalf of everyone here at Elam Wimbledon, we want to thank you. We appreciate all of your efforts over these last three years to make it possible. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, do you want to, you can take your seats for a moment. Stephen, will you give greetings for us? I'm not going to let you be the only one with a leg turn. Um, yesterday I was at uh, South Wimbledon, near South Wimbledon Tube Station, where B&Q opened one of their latest uh, new concept stores. And the chief executive of B&Q and the head of King, Kingfisher were also there. Now, I was really, really chuffed about that, that they're investing in the London Borough Merton. I'm really pleased that your lead, your top person, is also here in Chris. Thank you for the honour you've paid us to come here, here in the London Borough Merton. Things are not possible without working together. And by working together with you, we've achieved this blessed house. We are eternally grateful to you because we have ambitions for our children in this borough. We want them to get the school places they deserve. And it was important that we do that. And we have done that as a result of your flexibility, your vision, and your patience. Change can be difficult. Change can be worrying. And there was a big change for you to move from High Park, where you'd been for 10 years, settled, and relax because I've been there uh, to one of your congregation and one of your Sundays and now I'm here and uh, it is a change can be difficult so thank you for that for my part I would like to thank uh, my team at the London Borough of Myrta and in particular Tom Proctor from our Department for Education <laughs> and James McGinley <laughs> James McGinley from our Regeneration Department and many many other officers would have been involved. I'd like to thank Lengard, DHP. I'd like to thank John Featherstone in particular for his... for his leadership. Leadership is about leading, not following. Leadership is about taking a decision and carrying on with it. And that's what John has done in spite of many difficulties en route. He stuck with us as a local authority and has brought you here, and we want to thank him as well. And, and just finally from me, I'm Greek Orthodox. We don't tend to sing in our churches. There's no music either. 
we listen to our archmandrite or archbishop intently and we put our cross, we go and receive bread and there's a lot of incense and a nice smell. But you are exciting and I love uh, what, uh, what you do. But I want to take you back 33 years. 33 years is the age of our Lord Christ when he was crucified. 33 years, if my maths is right, and I wasn't strong on maths. I'm not going to tell you the grade at GCSE O level I got for maths, if I got one. That takes us uh, to 1987. 1987 was the year when the chief executive of Walt Disney agreed with Jack Chirac, the prime minister or president of France, to build um, uh, Walt Disney and uh, uh, the great games in, um, in, in, in Walt Disney in, uh, in Paris. Um, Margaret Thatcher gave a 45-minute speech to the Soviet Union and the Single European Act was passed. Why am I saying all this? Because in 1987, I got married. I am still with my lovely wife of 33 years. We have two beautiful children. They're, they're that tall now. They beat me up whenever they get the chance. My mother lives next door, so I must be nice. Nice guy. Mum next door. Mother-in-law. And, in and, and when you marry as within the Greek Orthodox Church, and we got married in the Greek Orthodox Church in Birmingham. We had all the money pinned on us and 500 people there and archbishops there everywhere. They must have eaten onions the night before because when they were talking to me, I could smell the onions. Anyway, <laughs> that church service is not recognized by this country. So we had to have a, another wedding ceremony, which we did closer to home here in Merton here in Wimbledon, here in this hall. <laughs> On Sunday, March the 15th, in this drafty, cold, uh, <laughs> it was okay. March the 15th, Sunday, March the 15th, 1987, the actual wedding recognized by this country was here with about 200 people. I know, I'm sure we broke health and safety laws. But welcome to Merton Hall. We hope you go from strength to strength here. And thank you very much for processing, operating and running Wimbledon Food Bank. We really are very grateful for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, wider leaders, if you'd come and join me. We're just going to invite Stephen to just come and cut the ribbon for us. Yeah, keep going a bit further. As we officially open this great facility. Yeah, we got 10% discount today. That's what I heard. 10% discount today from B&Q down the road. <laughs> Please, yeah. 
Come on. Awesome, awesome. Can we give one more big round of applause for these gentlemen and women? We thank you. We appreciate you. Yeah, you can head down. We have a gift for you as you come off the stage. Awesome. As they come off, um, our, our youth are going to perform a dance for us. And so, youth, if you come from this side for me, come from this side on, and then we'll have a performance.
Wonderful, thank you. Will you give them another round of applause? Can you give them a shout of praise? Fantastic. Well, it's my great privilege to introduce um, our speaker who's going to come and just bring a short message for us this afternoon. As you heard already, he's the general superintendent of the Elam Pentecostal Churches. He's a great man of God, and I have a lot of respect for him. We love being a part of Elam. And so will you give him a big Elam Wimbledon welcome as he comes to speak for us? Wow. Thank you so much. It's uh, a real joy for me uh, 
to be with you today representing the Elim Pentecostal churches across the UK and overseas. Uh, we are quite small compared to, say, the Anglican Church, but about 550 churches in the UK and uh, many thousands that were in partnership overseas, but in all kinds of places. And I just want to say a couple of things today about church. You see, this particular local church here in Merton, here in Wimbledon, Elim Pentecostal Church, is just hitting reset today. You know, on, on your phones now, you kind of have that arrow in the GPS system where it, it will find you, it will track you wherever you are. And I want to say that change is, is not just about the concepts, the theories we have, but actually coming to a day when you plant your feet down and begin a new journey. And that's what this local church community is going to do. There's heritage and there's a past. We've heard some, some stories, some surprising ones. Uh, uh, the, the fact that people prayed here all that time ago and now the church. The fact that you got married here. That, it's like they're pulling them out of the hat today. These extraordinary connections that remind us that we are linked to a, a past where people have gone before us. But also it's about today, it's about a commissioning and a beginning formally of this new season and it's also about the future. And I just wonder hearing some of those uh, background stories, what will happen in the coming years both in the building and from this building. So I want to say a couple of things. It's a great joy. Uh, uh, our uh, national leadership team, uh, thinking of you very much today, and uh, all of our central services, the staff where I work in Malvern, uh, just rejoicing with you in what is an extraordinary building. An immediate impressions, it, it blends old and new, it's uh, a creative space. It, it, I'm, I'm intrigued to know not just what you're already doing, which is diverse and in so many ways very, very uh, inspiring. But what's going to happen here? What will, what will fire in people's imagination, in people's hearts as they begin to become a part of the next season of this church? So I want to read a couple of verses in a moment from uh, the Bible because I'm supposed to do that, but it's also a really good thing to do. Um, and uh, though my time is very short, I want to talk about pressing reset as the church. I live in Cardiff. I drove there from uh, uh, home this morning. Uh, tomorrow I'll be in High Wycombe in our church there. But you know, as I was leaving town, they were getting ready for a rugby game. Our church in the center of Cardiff that I was a pastor of for about 13 years uh, is just a stone's throw away from the Millennium Stadium and uh, uh, where today about 72,000 mostly passionate Welsh men and women will be singing at the top of their lungs. In fact, the game's finished now, but I was listening on the way over. And a, a good friend of mine who was on our team in the Cardiff church set off into town one day just outside of the uh, Millennium Stadium, the rugby stadium, on a busy Saturday afternoon. He took his friend Daniel, Steve is his name, and he took his friend Daniel with him. Steve had the video camera, Daniel had the long fluffy microphone. And they were the kind of people on a Saturday in a busy shopping center you wanted to avoid because they, they were pouncing on people and asking them a question. They simply asked them this, what do you think about church? And uh, over the next couple of hours, as they did that, and the microphone went in front of them waiting for an answer, all kinds of people on the streets that day gave them some responses. 
Steve wanted to make a, an introductory video for, for something we were doing at the church, just to gauge people's expectations, uh, their responses about church. But he also wanted to do that to reset the, those that were part of our church in Cardiff in terms of their thinking about those that were not part of the church, those that were around them. And you know what they found that day was that uh, many people weren't thinking much about church at all. <laughs> There were, there were some that said that you caught me by surprise. I don't know what, what I think. Some said, you know, when I think about it, I used to go when I was a boy or a girl um, and maybe to, to a Sunday school or a youth club or something, but not really part of my world. They did find a few that were, that were pretty positive and, and, and expressed that they were churchgoers themselves. They even found a few that went to our church in the center of Cardiff, though they didn't want to be on the video. Just towards the end of, of, of their time, they decided to do one more for the final wrap of the edit for the video. And they, 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 they looked across at HMV Records store. I say that because records are back. Vinyl is back. If you've got some in the, uh, you know, the attic, the loft, or in a cupboard somewhere, get it out. It might be worth something. They're charging 20 quid for vinyl now. As he came out, they said, excuse me, young man, what do you think of church? And without missing a beat, he said, I love her. I've just bought her album. <laughs> now, in most places, I have to explain that because Cardiff is the hometown of a lady called Charlotte Church, who at the age of 12 was discovered and became so well known for what they called the voice of an angel that she sang around the world before presidents, before uh, leaders of, and heads of state, and in so many ways, and she's still going somewhere and, and, and still lives in the city. But, you know, that day when we showed the video finally in our church in just an intro section, people laughed too in their home city. But I don't think they only laughed because of the wordplay, because of the, the pun on the name church, but because they couldn't believe such a cool young guy was buying a Charlotte Church album. Just saying. When people think about church out there, not regular church goes perhaps, but people around us, many of us that would be uh, part of a, a local church, many of you that here today, this is your church. I wonder what they think. I think that most often they think about buildings. And I'm going to be careful how I say this today, John, because I want, you, I want people to, to, to get that sense of reset. This is a fabulous building. I mean, I just, I'm nosy, so I had a quick tour, but I want to look in every corner and check every bit of it. But it's fantastic. Uh, and, and it's just a stunning design. It has the capacity. You've got better screens than I've seen anywhere. These LED screens, man. Rock Tech have done you proud. Uh, in fact, at our summit in Harrogate, just on Thursday, I was in a video conference where they were showing the designs of what they want in the Harrogate Conference Center. And it's no better than what you have here. I'll tell you that now. But, you know, when people think about church, most often they think about buildings. But, you know... I, I've come to understand some things. You see, I believe that right now, when those of us that are part of church, we start to think about that. We want to say how brilliant buildings can be, 
how amazing they, they, they can give us opportunities to do so much, to gather, to worship, to do stuff, to teach. But more than that, to engage with others, to be creative in how we try to make Jesus known in our communities, but also to serve others, to be welcoming places, to be places where people can find kinship and friendship and connection. And you know, more and more and more, I thank God for great buildings, repurposed buildings. But we know that when God speaks about church, when the Bible speaks about church, when Jesus began the adventure of the church on planet Earth, it wasn't about buildings. Can I say that when we're commissioning a new one? It's not about buildings, but about people. I want to say that church is not our idea. The Bible makes it clear that church is God's idea. And that from the beginning of time, he has destined that there would be a people, real people in real places. Not just kind of cleaned up people, not just kind of sorted people, but ordinary people like you and me. I'd say pinch somebody and say you're a real person today, but don't do that because we just might get the lawsuits afterwards and we don't want it. But maybe pinch yourself, real people. I believe that God still cares about real people in real places. I believe that he still comes to personally. He comes not all visibly or in that audible voice too often, but he comes into the lives of real people in real places. Not just special people, superstar people, but people like you and me. And so from the very beginning, God has planned that church would be about people, not buildings. Second thing I think people often think about when they think of church is that it's about religion. Actually, on the streets of Cardiff that day, uh, some of those people answered that way, that they felt, I'm not religious. But we know that really, church is not about religion. Jesus didn't come to start a religion, but he came to bring a new relationship. It's about relationship, not religion. And I'm preaching to the choir for some of you today, but you know, there are all kinds of people in my world that don't get that, don't know that. And, and why should they? But we have an opportunity more and more to understand as church, to press reset and know that from now on, we're going to be about people, not just buildings, however great this is. But when the polish wears off, when the scratches begin to appear, when, when it gets a bit, a bit weathered and a bit worn for just the sheer activity of the thousands of people that will come through here, let's remember people, people matter to God. Absolutely, amazingly. Jesus was the kind of people, when you read the Bible, and a whole lot of people aren't reading the Bible anymore, but download it on your, on, on your phone or on, on your app, uh, on your uh, tablet, and just have a look at the Gospels. Jesus absolutely made an incredible impression on real people. So the religious people didn't get him and, and, and were driven to rage because of him, but the ordinary folk, it says, received him with joy. Because when he was around, amazing things happened. And he never made anybody feel worthless. So, relationship. Relationship, first of all, with God. That's what the church is about. The church declares that there is a God who loves us so much that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in Jesus would not perish eternally, but would have new life. And life not just as we can live it, but as God alone wants to empower us to live. New life, new life. Relationship with God, but it's, it just let you into a secret. It's not only about relationship with God. 
If we took a look around here, here we are, an all-age group, even today and tomorrow and, and a normal Sunday here, there'll be all ages in this church, but also many different cultures and nationalities. And I want to say that certainly when I go around Elim World in the UK, those different churches, I'm seeing more and more that our churches are made up of people of all nationalities and cultures. You see, God has a plan for people not just to come to Him, but to come into relationship with each other based upon His love for them. He wa he's up to something with us, guys. Here's another secret, though. People... People in relationship is not automatic. It doesn't just happen by coming in through the door. It doesn't just happen because we sit and we sing together. It doesn't just happen even because we do stuff together. It happens by effort and work and forgiveness and, and patience and, and, and getting over stuff and working through things. And the plan that God has for his church is it would be made up of real people, all shapes and sizes, all different backgrounds, and that together in him we might become one. So the church is alive and well on planet Earth. Around the world from the beginning of this day till the sunset. From tomorrow on a Sunday where many parts of the world, that's the kind of worship day. That's the kind of day of gathering together, although we worship every day. There will be people m moving and, and living and worshiping together. Some will be meeting as the church in fine cathedrals, historic buildings, wonderful. We've got many of them in the UK. Beautiful to look at. You wouldn't want to pay the heating bills. Others will be meeting in purpose-built buildings. Not too many like this, but purpose-built. Some are meeting in school halls and community centers and renting space. Some are meeting in a living room. They're just getting started. They're baby churches, maybe to a new suburb or a new community. In parts of the world, they'll be meeting in some surprising places. Like there's a church in Cairo, on the edge of Cairo, that meets in a cave. Thousands of Coptic believers. Extraordinary. There's some churches in some of the biggest slums in the world, in Sao Paulo, in Nairobi, Kenya, where actually they can't count how many churches there are because there's always a new one. And, and, and yet there'll be some churches that are meeting in secret today. And the persecuted church in the world is in numbers of areas of about 260 million people, many, many nations, the top 50 persecuted nations for Christians to live. Uh, what we know about that is that in every one of them, the persecution is increasing. But I say that to say there will be some people who this weekend will be worshiping Jesus and living out their faith in God, and they'll be living in fear of being arrested, imprisoned, or even worse. But I'll tell you this, that that diverse worldwide church is God's idea. It's messy it's miraculous, and it's something that isn't about an institution or an organization. It isn't a leisure choice. It isn't just a kind of belief system. It's about relationship with a loving and a living God and coming into relationship with each other. Now, I'm nearly done. I'm going to land the plane in just a moment, I promise you. But let me read a couple of verses from the Bible, from the book of Acts. I wish we had the YouTube clip right now that would show some of these scenes that I'm about to read. It's just a couple of sentences. We don't have that. That technology wasn't available. But what we do have in the Bible are these electrifying shorthand stories. 
They are edited so that we might have the highlights. Those that believe in, in, in Jesus, those that follow him, believe that these aren't only the words of the human writers, but they're breathed into. The word is inspired. It means God breathed. And, and that, that, that they have more than just uh, uh, good thoughts for us. But this is about a story in the very first days of the first church in Jerusalem, just after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. It says this, and that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon everyone, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed in Jesus were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people of the city. And God added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's a snapshot of the very first church. And something is being expressed there that grows in the next few chapters, that these many thousands of new believers in Jesus did life together. They, they went to work. They, 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 they occupied themselves as they had, but something had changed. They became a new community. I want to say we talk a lot about community, but community is really challenging. It means different kinds of people giving up their own preferences sometimes for the sake of others and of one another. And I see that so many Christians read this and, and assume that the early church just kind of overnight became a community that followed Jesus, that, that, that lived his way. But that's not the case. It didn't happen overnight and it didn't happen automatically. Through the stuff of life, you know, how many of you know that life happens to us too? stuff happens. You can have rock-solid faith, but life happens. So it really matters that, that our faith is more than a feeling and more than just words. It matters that we go through stuff and we find out whether Jesus really is who he claimed to be. Otherwise, walk away and do something else with your life. It matters that we go through stuff. In church, as you press reset, you're going to go through stuff together. First of all, this community began to learn how to love one another the way Jesus loved them. It didn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen without blood, sweat, and tears. It doesn't happen without sacrifice. But there was once a community that learned how to do that and learned how to prefer one another and that went and did the hard yards in order to become something that they couldn't be on their own without his power. I pray that this church will be a loving place, a place where love abounds. But it's not automatic, guys. We've got to learn how to do that. We've got to learn on our knees with our hands getting dirty and getting up, a, 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 with, up close to some, some new friends, beginning to do it for a greater cause. You know, this community began to learn how to be generous, how not just to take, but to give, and to believe that others' needs mattered more than theirs. And so there's some extraordinary pictures. We don't have time for those where they start to give money to others. They start to, to, to uh, care for one another. They start to feed the poor. They start to uh, 
clothe the needy. They start to take people in that don't have a family or a home. And they start to be known for their love and their care. Wow. On the streets of Cardiff that day, not too many people said, church, when I think about church, I think of the loving people who care for others and who go the extra mile. Not many said that that day, but I pray the day is coming when we can reset church in a way that we're not righteous so-and-so, self-righteous know-alls, but we are a people who know that he is everything, that we're weak, but he's strong. That we're empty, but he wants to fill us. That our resources run out, but his never do. That we are full of prejudice and preconceptions, and we're full. We've all got them. We just prefer ours to other people's. We find it easy to have biases. We find it easy to 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 hold a, a you know a, to have a short fuse. We find it easy to just defend our position. But Jesus is always working on the church to help us to go further. So I want to land it by saying this. I've not come here primarily today just to talk about church. I've come here to remind a loving church, a growing church, a caring church, a committed church, a a church that has vision for people in this community, that believes there is hope in the borough of Merton. (laughs) And there are lots of hope-filled people that are making a difference. But we want to take our place in that. We want to partner. But in the midst of it, we have to be honest and say... We believe in one who changes us so that we can be a part of the change in others. We believe in Jesus. We believe he's not just a philosopher, a teacher, a moral guide. He's not just a figure of history. He's not just one amongst many. And but we do believe it. We're laying our lives on it. We're stacking everything on it. We believe what Kanye said, my kids could still can't get used to me uh, at my age and how uncool I am just mentioning Kanye West in church. But you know, whatever you think, whether you've heard his album or not, Kanye's just kind of, some say, committed uh, career suicide in releasing an album called Jesus is King. It's very bold. It's very bold. What it says is Jesus is King. Wow, what's that about? And a whole generation are going to hear Kanye say it. Whatever's going on in his personal journey, whatever, it's not our business. It's starting to say Jesus is not just anyone. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who we are. We believe in him. We want others to know him. We believe that if he is... Lord of all, then he deserves our absolute surrender of everything, of everything. If he's the Lord of all, then maybe he can be Lord of my life. Maybe he can help me live through the stuff. Maybe he can help me love other people. (laughs) Maybe he can help us to do something with the people around us who really matter to God so much that Jesus talks about leaving the 99 and going in search of one lost But let's do it by rediscovering not just church, but the Lord of the church. Let's pray. If you're not used to praying, just close your eyes for a moment. Let me just say a simple prayer. Over today, over this opening 
formal opening service. And let's just pray that God will set reset in this church, in this community, in this borough. I'm going to pray for the school as well, the new academy. Father, in the name of Jesus today, we declare that this church is not ours. It's not about a brand or a name. It's about your name. It's your church. One community of a worldwide church who you've called to love you, serve you, but also make you known. Help this church community to serve afresh and to share afresh so that you might be glorified. We pray for the borough, a blessing upon the mayor and the leaders and the everybody that works in the camp. We ask, Lord, that they would be re-energized in their passion to see this community flourish and thrive. And for the new school from day one, even before day one, would you cause it to thrive? Not just to be another one on the block, but to be a, a, a trailblazer and to be a place of hope for thousands of children that will grow into maturity in Jesus' name. Amen. gathered by now that as a church we like to sing so if you'd like to stand again we'll sing one more time